we're going to finish up our Advent series today. And, um, you know, where, where we started uh, six weeks ago, seven sermons, this is our seventh one, where we began was that God created mankind to image him. God created mankind with the purpose of imaging him and glorifying him in the earth. And then week two was that Adam and Eve wrecked that, <laughs> like their sin brought, uh, or, or their sin brought sin into the world, brought death to all men. And so the glory and the image of God was broken, was marred. And then we talked about how the Old Testament prophets foretold of the Savior that was going to come. And we talked about how that was Jesus. We looked at the scripture and saw that uh, the angel Gabriel came to Joseph and to Mary and that a virgin was going to be with the child. And then we talked about the birth of Jesus and the shepherd's response to him. And then we talked last week about other people's response to him. How did they view him as king? How did they view him as savior? And today we're coming full circle and we are back to the image of God. Now, now that Christ has come and now that Christ has died, we now get to be people who fulfill the purpose of God in being image bearers of his. Here's what we have on tap today. Our theology is this. Faith in Christ has made us image bearers of God. Faith in Christ has made us image bearers of God. If you, if you want to put a parenthetical statement, we have a new identity. We have a new identity. Because of our faith in Jesus, we have become image bearers of God. Our application today is this. Live to image and glorify God. Live to image and glorify God. And our prayer today is, God, give us the grace to honor you with our lives. God, give us the grace to honor you with our lives. So one of the things that we were talking about, or the, our, our theology today, is faith in Christ has made us image bearers of God. I, I don't know where you stand in terms of kind of your self-identity, uh, your self-esteem, your own kind of view of who you are. Uh, I've shared with you guys in the past that, that I, I struggle a lot with mine, and I struggle a lot with kind of like, you know, liking myself. And part of that, part of it is growing up in kind of this fundamentalist church where I was taught that God's view of me was directly correlated to my performance, that, that God liked me if I performed well, and he didn't like me if I didn't perform well, and that we were, we were better friends and we got along well uh, if I did all the things he told me to do. And if I didn't do the things he told me to do, then God was mad at me or he was angry at me. And, and so we had this idea that, that our, our faith in Christ, uh, or I had this idea that my faith in Christ kind of was dependent upon uh, how I did today and, and whether or not, you know, I had earned enough points. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the point system was. I just know that every single day of my life, I felt like I was behind. Every single day of my life, I felt like I hadn't done enough. I wasn't doing enough. Um, I, I grew up in a church where, like, you'd show up at church on Wednesdays, and in youth, they'd say, who'd you share Christ with this week? Because if you didn't share Christ with somebody in the past week, you're not a good Christian. And did you read your Bible every day this week? Because if you didn't read your Bible every day this week, you're not a good Christian. And so I kind of was taught those sorts of things. I was taught... Uh, this kind of performance-based mindset. But what I want us to know is that what Christ accomplished on the cross, what Christ did in bearing our sins and overthrowing the power of sin and overthrowing the power of death, what Jesus did in, in going to the cross and wrecking death by breaking forth from the empty tomb, this song that we just sang is absolutely one of my favorite songs. Um, and I don't know how new it is. I, it's new to me relatively. I mean, we've been singing it for a few months now, but I think the first time Micah sang it here was the first time I had heard it. And, and
and I love it. Um, it. It's absolutely one of my favorite songs because it talks about the coming of Christ and it talks about the redemption of Christ and it talks about who we are as the church and it talks about coming into glory like it's the gospel. It's this, this beautiful story of who we are in Jesus. And, and if I could do anything well for you guys, uh, what I would want to do probably more than, more than or beyond, beyond having you know Jesus, what I would really want you to take home and take hold of is this knowledge that once you are in Christ, you are righteous, you are holy, you are new, you are pleasing in his sight. Like, man, if I could have that like resonate with you and sink into your heart uh, and, and just have you, I, I think it would kind of make us all just feel a little bit better. And, uh, and, and somewhere along the way, like, uh, listen, there, there are preachers who preach just to make people feel better and they preach things that aren't true. But this is true, and it should make you feel better. This is true that if, you are, if you've put faith in Jesus, you are righteous, and you are holy, and you are a saint, and you are loved, and you are delighted in by God. And like th- these are true things that actually should shape how we feel. Uh, I, I don't know why we feel that all of Christianity sometimes, or some people seem to feel that Christianity has to be all doom and gloom. Like, man, God loves you. That's the gospel. God loves you. And he sent Jesus to die for you and to redeem you and rescue you. And that's really good news. That's exciting. And so when we get into the scripture, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 49. I'm going to have you in a moment turn to Colossians 3 if you want to go there. But in 1 Corinthians 15, 49, Paul says this. He's talking about the resurrection of the body. And, and Paul says, just as you have borne the image of the earthly, so you will also bear the image of the heavenly. There's this, there's this concept that we are going to be made like Jesus. Uh, and and that when, when Jesus comes back, we're going to finally come into this fulfillment of everything we were meant to be. In fact, 1 John chapter 3 uh, says this. 1 John chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, says, that how great a love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world doesn't recognize us is because it didn't recognize Jesus. And then he says this, Dear children, we do not yet know what we will be like. We don't don't know what the final form we're going to take is. And he says, But we know that when Christ appears, we will be made like him. We'll be completely made like him, for we will see him as he truly is. You and I are now being shaped into the image of God. You and I are being transformed into the image of God. Ephesians uh, 4, 22 through 24. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24 says this. Paul's encouraging this church that's kind of been divided. Not kind of. They've been really divided. Uh, and, and Paul is encouraging them in Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. He says, put off the old self, which is growing corrupt according to the deceitful lust of the flesh. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self created in the likeness of God, righteous and holy. I want you to hear that. Put off the old self, which is growing in its corruption. It, it's growing. It's becoming like who we were without Christ is decaying. Who we were without Jesus is getting worse. But in Christ, we are created righteous and holy. And I don't think that that's accidental that Paul uses those words. That who you are without Jesus is progressively getting worse. But who you are with Jesus is righteous and holy. That's, that's who you are. One of the things that like I got taught a lot growing up is you need to be righteous and holy. And I don't know exactly what my preachers meant. I, I don't I have no contact with any of them anymore, so I can't go back and ask them. But what I thought that they meant 
was, I need to be perfect in everything I'm doing. That's what I thought that they meant. When, when the Bible says this, put off the old self, which is growing in its corruption, and put on the new self, which is created in, in uh, the likeness of God, righteous and holy, like, this, this isn't about us trying harder. This is about us shifting our perspective, which is why nestled in between those two verses, the putting off of the old self and the putting on of the new self, it's switch your mindset. Think differently. You used to be someone who didn't know God. You are now someone who knows God. You used to be someone who was growing in their corruption, even though you couldn't see it or feel it. Uh, you couldn't perceive it. You couldn't. It's not like a decaying body kind of thing. We... Uh, the boys and I found a, a red fox uh, down the road the other day that had been hit, and Asher was, or Riker was like, man, I really wish I could get that skull. And so we kind of threw it into the bushes so that it could, like, decay and stuff. And I said, well, we'll remember it's by this telephone pole, and we'll come back and we'll get it. So the other day we went to check on it. Not there. It's gone. Um, and so something's drug it off. But you could smell it. I don't know where it was in all the cactus and the trees, but you could smell it. You were like, it's somewhere in there. I'll share a story with you uh, that I think uh, all the kids will love and the rest of you will regret that I've shared. And, uh, but it's a, fr- a story that maybe my boys have never even heard. It's a story that my buddy, Ryan, who's a pastor, not me, that would be really weird to tell a story about me and use my own name. Uh, it's a story that a buddy of mine, Ryan, who's a pastor in Australia now, tells. When he was about 15 years old, he and his sister went hunting. And uh, they went hunting on a friend's land with their dad, and they came across a dead, bloated cow. And his sister was 17, and he was about 15 or 16, and he did what every other 15-year-old boy would probably want to do, is he picked up a big rock. (laughs) The biggest he could find, and he threw it on the cow. His sister, unfortunately, was standing on the other side. (laughs) When the rock hit the cow... It exploded that way and covered her in maggots. And she immediately began to throw up, right? This is decaying. All the ugh that you're kind of doing right now, that is who you were. That, that kind of, that feeling kind of in your stomach. If you were Ryan's sister and you're throwing up, that's the correct response to who we are without Christ. What I'm encouraging you to do is have the correct response of who we are in Christ. It's not hard for us to be ashamed of what we should be ashamed of. It, It turns out most of us are pretty good at that. Where we struggle is rejoicing in who we've become. Where we struggle is finding the confidence in who God has made us to be. And, and so we have to have a switch in our mind. The, the Bible says this in Colossians chapter 3. We're going to come back to it in a minute and read a longer text. But if you're in Colossians 3, look at verses 9 and 10. Colossians 3, 9 and 10. Paul says this, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have been made new. I, I lost it. Hold on. Here we go. Do not lie to one another seeing that you have put off the old self of those practices and have put on the new self, here it is, which is being renewed in knowledge after the likeness of the one who made you. Being renewed in knowledge after the likeness of your creator. You are a new creature. Now, hear me say this, and I don't mean this uh, to be harsh. I just need to speak plainly for a moment. If you've never put your faith in Jesus for salvation, you remain decaying and growing in your depravity. 
That's where you remain. And, it, and it's not something unique to you. It's where all of us begin. But once we put faith in Christ, we have been made righteous and we have been made whole and we have been made in the image of God. We are new creatures. In fact, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Now, in the context of 2 Corinthians 5.17, I had preached this verse for years. It's a great verse, right? It's an encouraging verse. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are gone. New things are here. It's an encouraging verse. And it's not wrong. I don't want you to think the theology is wrong. But the main point of the text is how we view other people. That's the main view of the text. Not how we view ourselves, but how we view other people. If you see somebody else who has put faith in Christ, we have to consider that their old person is gone and that they've been made new. It helps us see people more clearly. In other words, if somebody has put faith in Jesus, then the way that we see them, we look at them and we go, man, you're a new creature. You are somebody who is new. You are somebody who your old self has passed away. Uh, you've become a new creature, a new person. And I just wonder how, how many of us actually like believe that about ourselves. We want all these things to have changed. We want like when we get out of bed to like just kind of like life's going to automatically be better somehow tomorrow. But, but maybe the world doesn't change, but our mindset does. Maybe it's not that our jobs change or our circumstances change, but maybe it's that our mindset changes and we face the world tomorrow with this mindset of, I am an image bearer of God. I have been made new. I am a new creature. I am a new creation. I am now someone in the likeness of Jesus. That brings us to our application today. The application is live to image and glorify God. And you might wonder a little bit why we said, or why I said, because I'm the one who wrote it, Live to image God. I've just told you, you do image God if you've put faith in Christ. Live to image and glorify God. Why why say it that way? There's There's this kind of concept in the scripture that's like, because you are holy, be holy. Because you are righteous, be righteous. Because you are a new creature, behave like you're a new creature. This, this isn't so much, uh, don't, don't hear this, live to image and glorify God as though you're trying to earn the ability to image God. If you and I are believers, and I can't speak for you, but I can speak for me. I put my faith in Christ many years ago. It's something that I've held to. It's something that like, is never going to be undone. Because I image Christ, now my desire is to image Christ. Because I image Christ, now my aim is to image Christ. Here's an example. Here's a way to think about it. In John chapter 14, verse 15, verse 21, and verse 23. So if you're a note taker, John 14, verse 15, 21, and 23. In three different ways, John says this. He says, if you love the Father, keep his commandments. If you love the Father, you'll obey his commandments. If you love the Father, you'll keep his word. And that's how it's written in English. In Greek, it's really more like this. Since you love the Father, you'll obey his commandments. Since you love the Father, you'll keep his his word. Like The idea isn't that if I obey him, I love him. The idea is that because I love him, I obey him. It, It flows from the love to the action, not from the action to the love. Right? You with me? That, that I treat my wife well because I love her. I don't treat her well to love her. 
Because I love God, it shapes my actions. Because I love God, it changes my conduct. Because I am holy, it changes how I behave. Because I'm an image bearer of God and I have my mindset on that, it impacts my action. We need to live with, with the, the reality of who we are in mind. If you will remember today and tomorrow and the next day that you are an image bearer of God, it will absolutely have an impact on how you behave. Absolutely. If every decision you make, you make with this in mind, I am someone who bears the image of Christ, that has to have an impact on how you conduct life. Now, I'm not saying we're going to rock it right out of the gate. I'm not saying we're going to get it right every time. But I am saying that when we begin to switch how we think, when we begin to remember who we are, the Bible talks a lot about remembering how to think, remembering who we are. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, uh, right? It says, I urge you, brethren, in view of God's mercies, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed any longer to the patterns that were yours when you didn't know God, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Think differently about it. And then you'll be able to know and attest God's perfect will. Think about this verse. Like, this is a great verse, Romans 12, 2. People all the time go, man, I just wish I knew the will of God. I wish I just understood what God's will is. Romans tells us we can. Romans tells us we can know the will of God. Romans tells us that that if we submit our lives to God, if we fix our minds on Jesus, we will know the will of God. I I just wonder how many of us wake up in the morning, and and I'm not sitting here telling you, um, I don't know, maybe I am. (laughs) I'm not sitting here telling you that our thoughts shape everything about us, but they definitely have an impact. They definitely have an impact. And if your thought, is I am a sinner, barely making it into heaven, God doesn't love me, that will shape how you act tomorrow. And if you are able, golly, by God's great grace and mercy, to come to the place where you go, man, I'm an image bearer of God, righteous and holy, that will absolutely shape how you behave tomorrow. It is our love for him, our understanding of who we are that 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 gives us feet. <laughs> like, it, like uh, it, it is by the work of the Spirit. The Bible says in, in, uh, in, in Galatians chapter 5 that if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Because the Spirit of God has given us life, let the Spirit of God also empower you to move. That's what he's begging the people to do in Galatians 5. Because God has redeemed you, let God also redeem your steps. Because God has saved you, let him empower you for holy living. That's what we're being called to. God made Adam and Eve for the purpose of imaging, imaging him and glorifying him in the world, and they failed at it because it was based on their performance, and we've been made to image and glorify God, not based on our performance, but based on who he is. This doesn't rest on me. This isn't about my power. This isn't about who I am or how much strength I have or how much resolve I have to be a really good person and not sin tomorrow. This is about the power of God at work in me. Let God's power work in you. Believe that you are who he says you are. Believe that he has empowered you the way he's empowered you. You're an image bearer of God. Colossians chapter 3 says this. I have to start in verse 20 of chapter 2. Colossians 2.20. 
If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. All things that perish as they are used. So here's the question that Paul's asking. He says, you died to the basic elementary uh, juvenile principles of the world that said, you can't do this, you can't do that. Don't eat these things. Don't drink those things. Don't dress that way. He goes, you died to that when you were joined to Christ. So why, if, why do you still act like you're living in the world? Why do you still act like you're living for the world? Why are you submitting to all these rules? Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. He said, these things have an appearance of wisdom. That's what he says here. These things have an appearance of wisdom. These things look godly. These things look holy, but they have zero value in stopping the cravings and the desires of the flesh. And he calls these things, all these rules, all these traditions, all these customs, he calls them the elementary things, the basic things. In Timothy, Paul calls them doctrines of demons, which is a little more harsh, I think, than calling them the basic principles. Colossians 3.1, he says this. So look at, sorry, look at 2.20 again. If with Christ you died to the basic practices, the elementary practices, and then look at 3.1, if then you've been raised with Christ... If you have a paper Bible in front of you, I, I don't know what it's like. I, I'm old-fashioned. I don't know what it's like in the phone, how you connect two places. I don't know if you can draw a line, screenshot it, whatever you do. Uh, I, I have a pen and paper, and that's how I still write. So, but we need to connect, at least in our mind, Colossians 2.20 with Colossians 3.1. If with Christ you died, since with Christ you've been raised. If with Christ you died, since with Christ you've been raised. Those two thoughts are connected. You died with Christ when you put faith in him, but you've also been raised with Christ when you put faith in him. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Here it is again. It's about our mind. It's about how we think. It's our perspective. Set your mind on the things that are above, not the things that are of the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear with him in glory. I mean, we could go read all of Romans 6 and all of Romans 7 and all of Romans 8 again this morning and remind ourselves again from the text that when we died with Christ, we were also raised with him. When we laid our lives down by faith and said, God, I put my faith in you. I put my faith in your son. In that moment, we were empowered to new life. We were empowered with, with the very power of God. We've been raised to walk in newness of life. We are no longer people who are kind of trying to eke it out by our works or by flesh or by by uh, practice, we're, we're people who have put our faith in God, and our faith in God is the, what, what sustains us, not ourselves. We, we live by the Spirit now, not by us. We've come to the place where we said, look, I, I'm not doing this. When people look at us and go, man, how, how is it, how do, you, how do you live for Christ? We say, uh, well, let me back up. In churches growing up, what I heard is, here's how you live for Christ. Do this thing. Don't do this thing. Be sure you're doing this at least once a week. Don't ever do this thing. And like there are all these like rules. <laughs> but the truth of the scripture is the way that we live for Christ is by Christ. By his power. By the spirit of God. Now listen, here's where it gets interesting. Look at verse 5, Colossians 3, 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurities, passions, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. He, 
here's here's a comparison. It's the same, a similar comparison that he makes in Romans chapter eight, uh, and also in First um, Corinthians six. In these, you two once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Don't lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices. So this is something they have done. They've put off the old self with its practices. And you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the likeness of its creator. Here there is neither Jew nor Greek, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Why does he say this here in verse 11? Why does he say that in Christ there's neither Greek nor Jew? Because it's not a matter of the law. It's not a matter of what the Jews did or what the Gentiles haven't done. Why does he say here that it's neither the circumcised or the uncircumcised? Same thought. Why does he say here it's not about the barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all? Because it doesn't matter your socioeconomic position. It doesn't matter your, your, uh, your national position. It doesn't matter your legal position. None of those things have any bearing in who you are in Jesus. Who you were was somebody who did all these things as a Jew, as a Gentile, as a pagan, as a slave, as a free. You were someone who did all these things, but in Christ, there is one measure, and it's this, Christ. In Christ, you are in Christ. Here's a way we could say that in the 21st century to make it make a little more sense. I don't care. You don't have to come to me. It doesn't mean that I don't care. Pierce gives me a hard time about this because I say I don't care a lot, but it means that I do care. But what I really mean is I'm, I'm not bothered by the fact, maybe. I don't know. I need to say it a different way because uh, I care about you. Let me say it this way. It has no bearing on how I view you. If you come to me and say, you know what? I just became a Christian yesterday, and prior to that, I wasted my life on pornography and alcohol and drugs, and I've had five failed marriages. Here's why that has no bearing on how I view you, because you're in Christ today. And if you're in Christ, you're in Christ. Who you were has no bearing on who you are, because who you are isn't determined by you, but by Jesus who made you, who shaped you who formed you, who has given you his identity. That should be exciting for us. That should be encouraging for us. It's, it's Paul being able to say, you know, look, I was a persecutor of the church. I was somebody who was, who was chasing down Christians and throwing them in jail and casting my vote to put them to death. And he said, but in Christ, I've been made new. Like, we want to make such a big deal. We want to make like uh, kind of, we, we want to be really demonstrative about who we were and how bad we were. Everybody was decaying. Everybody was the dead bloated cow filled with maggots. That's who everybody was. Like that's your story. You, we don't need to compare notes. Yeah, but Ryan, you became a Christian when you were three and you grew up in the church and you like, so what? Dead bloated cow apart from Christ. That's who I was. And now we get to put aside all of the things that we measured ourselves by. We get to cast away everything that caused there to be any distinction between us. We get to throw away everything that made you feel worse than me or me feel worse than you or you feel better than me or me feel better than you. We get to throw all that away and say, are you in Jesus? Yes, I'm in Jesus. Hey, me too. And now our measure is Jesus. Christian, hear me say this. Do not wake up in the morning and measure yourself by yourself. You'll fail. 
but wake up in the morning with joy. I mean, like, maybe if you have to literally do it just so you can feel it a little bit, then when you put your feet on the floor, give a little hop first, you know, and be like, hey, I am facing today with joy that I am a new creature and that I am not who I am, but I am who Christ has made me to be. Like, you now bear the likeness of Jesus. You're whole. We're running out of time, but pick up with me in verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. So this is who you are, God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. So here's what we put on. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if one has a complaint against the other, forgive each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all else, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful to God. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. There's this language here in this text, put off these things, put on these things. And the things that we're putting off are tied directly to who we were, and the things that we're putting on are tied directly to who Jesus is. Put on compassion, kindness, love, forgiveness. These aren't things that are born in our hearts. They're things that are born out of the person of Jesus. Put on Christ. You may, you may think that you don't have the capacity to love well. You may think you don't have the capacity to forgive well. You may think that you don't have the capacity for peace or for joy. But I want you to know something. If you're in Christ, all of those things are in you by the power of God. By who God is. We can talk about your story and you can come to me and say, but you don't know who I've been. And you can come and tell me all the things that break your heart. And at the end of the conversation, I'll look you square in the eyes and I'll say, but it's not who Jesus is. Put your confidence in who Jesus is. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Think differently about who you are. This isn't a thing where we wake up in the morning and we pat ourselves on the back as though we've achieved something. It's where we wake up in the morning, we put our feet on the ground, and we worship God who has made us new. God had an intent when he made Adam and Eve, and that's that they would image him. And in Christ... He has made us to image him. That's good news. That's exciting news. That should lift you up a little bit. What we want to do is pray this morning, and I hope that this point is clear. We want to pray this morning, God, give us the grace to honor you with our lives. The reason I picked God give us the grace and not God give us the strength is because I don't want you to make the mistake to think that it's about your effort or your ability. I want you to remember that this is about God's grace in you. God has saved you. God has made you in his likeness. God has forgiven you. God has empowered you with his love and his mercy and his joy. God, give us the grace to honor you with our lives, to be the image bearers that you've made us to be. Would you take just a moment? Would you take just a moment and just pray that? that God would give you the grace to image him with your life?
God, we do ask that you would reveal your grace to us today. We know that you've lavished grace upon grace over us. It's washed over us, but sometimes, God, we forget it. Not that your grace isn't present, not that your grace isn't overwhelming, but sometimes, God, we just tend to walk in our own strength, thinking somehow the, the responsibility for holiness rests on our shoulders thinking somehow that we can muster the power within us to be forgiving and gracious and loving and kind. God, help us to lean hard into your grace. Help us to remember this morning and every morning hereafter, God, that we live by your power, by your mercy, by your kindness, by the love you've lavished upon us. Help us to put all of our confidence in you and not in self. Help us with our lives, Lord, to image you well. Thank you that you've made us into the likeness of Christ. Thank you that one day that process will be complete when we see Christ face to face. Thank you, God, that we are your chosen and holy and beloved ones, that we're saints, that we're new creatures, that we're loved, that we're forgiven, that we've been rescued from the power of sin and death. And let those truths, God, cause our hearts to rejoice and to give us new life. It's in your name we pray, amen.